to have, I think, a simple process at the end of the day. As far as SEO is concerned, uh, it's a variation of AHF instance responsibility metrics. So you essentially have with that someone who can assist you with the research of any given topic, someone who is knowledgeable about the subject, who isn't the same person who does the research, how, how could he be? Someone who can write about the subject and someone who will finally edit uh, the final product. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO Show. I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Elias Galiotis. Elias is a marketing professional passionate about SEO, digital advertising, and lead gen. Elias has successfully contributed to digital marketing efforts in both emerging startups and well-established brands. He's currently the senior SEO and paid advertising manager at Marine Traffic, powered by Kepler, and Yes, I would like to welcome you at the show. Thank you, George. Very happy to be here. It's about me. So, as we do with every guest uh, here at the, at the show, like a little tradition we have, um, can you please share a few things about you and your journey so far so that we can have context as to like who you are today and what you do uh, at uh, Marine Traffic? Sure thing. I've watched every episode, so I know the intro was uh, was coming. Uh, as of late, I've been uh, the demand generation capacity here at Kepler, uh, who has acquired the uh, money traffic. I've been in this position for the past four years. Before that, I was uh, again in the demand generation capacity at the cybersecurity company ESET. All in all, I've been in marketing for 10 years in the demand generation capacity. Uh, SEO is uh, my preferred tool, but I also tackle advertising. And uh, I've also done a couple of projects uh, that ultimately have helped me towards this. Uh, that's uh, that's uh, an intro of the satisfactory. 10 years. So you must have seen like a lot of changes so far. And I don't know what your thoughts are about the recent changes like with AI and, and Google and so on, but we, we, we will discuss about all this. Uh, before we move forward with some of the questions I've prepared for today's episode, for people who haven't heard of Marine Traffic and Kepler before, can you please um, give us just a quick overview of what Marine Traffic is, um, maybe who is a typical customer and who gets the most value out of its products? No, sure thing. Um, Marine Traffic is a, a maritime analytics provider, the leading maritime analytics provider. We provide the maritime data to a, a wide range of professionals, such as uh, supply chain professionals, owners, vessel operators, um, and fleet managers, uh, port authorities, governments, and so on and so forth. Essentially, 
most maritime professionals have a, a case to use a tool such as ours. They make more informed decisions and then we can help them get more visibility, whether they want to track the shipment, the vessel, whatever it is that they may be, they may do. That's what you're keeping going. That sounds your typical. That doesn't sound like your typical, you know, SaaS. Like when we when we hear SaaS, when we think about SaaS, we we think about like Mailchimp or HubSpot or anything like that. But this is, as I hear it, it's 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 very niche and very like specifically tailored to a specific, you know, target audience, right? It's not audience, uh, an industry, the maritime industry, which is a bit more traditional, I would say. Um, Yes, our, our tool isn't as viral uh, as uh, the ones you mentioned, but in this space, it has a lot of traffic. And as you can imagine, everyone involved in it generates a lot of traffic, but only everyone is a maritime professional. So we get hundreds of millions of users every year. Uh, but uh, the secret as to every freemium product-led software as a service is to convert this to a paying customer, know him better than the average user, and have different case studies, workflows, situations for both. And what we essentially do is we group these people to two personas. Uh, the one is the supply chain professionals, the people who are interested in tracking their cargo. So they use our system to do that, either to a container or the vessel carrying the container itself. So this is category number one. And we have a different category, category number two, and for the ones operating the vessel or a collection of vessels, the fleet, and the ones who own this fleet, who are interested in maintaining it, finding its safest route, checking out how much carbon they're emitting, a lot of things of that nature. So we group them thusly, and everything else, uh, if it's not a paid fusion, uh, we might be more interested perhaps in our map or some other rudimentary metric which we can provide. Okay, so we have two main, two core segments. Um, mm -hmm. From uh, like go to market, Go, go to market standpoint, since you have these two core uh, target audiences, segments, um, I mean, how do you treat them in terms of like strategy that appeals to each, you know, uh, segment and like how big the difference is? I mean, reaching the first group uh, versus reaching the, the second group. Um, well, there, uh, as you might expect, um, firstly, they have uh, these different pain points. So, Aside from the map, which is a great acquisition tool from an organic standpoint, we do want to address those pain points separately. As I mentioned, the, you will find the person who owns the fleet has very different things to consider than the person who owns the cargo and renting this fleet for XYZ trip. So they have different needs, they have different pain points, but they use the same data set, if it makes sense, us to address it in a different part of the site. So as you might expect, the branding is a bit different, the messaging is a bit different, tailored to this need, and it all gets fueled by first-party data. So we keep interviewing these people, asking them to find things, rate our services, and we change things accordingly. So I would say they view quite different environments, but they get the same tailored experience at the end of the day, under the same breath. I mean, if you think about, you know, people who may build products, you know that you can find them on like Twitter or Reddit or Product Hunt. If you think about salespeople, you know, and marketing people, you can find them on LinkedIn and so on. 
where can you find those folks online? Uh, I guess you can, obviously. Uh, otherwise, there would be no reason to do any like online, broadly referred to as online, you know, marketing to to reach those audiences. But I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And like, what where do you think you can find these folks online um, so that you can then like? I don't want to use the word funnel them, but like lead them to to your website. Yeah, for lack of a better word, you're right. Um, first of all, it's interesting to point out that because it is a traditional industry, uh, offline still works, and online can support offline in the sense that uh, you can support events, you know, and post publicity uh, support and whatnot. So events are still pivotal, and we do support them. Uh, they are they do congregate offline, and it's important to have a good brand, and the attend these shows, you don't necessarily follow them, but if they do make you an acquaintance, it's just another part of the dark family and we just have to get used to it. We see the after effects later when we ask them to sign, they've been, they pick the appropriate box, so we know this box ultimately as well as you can track offline. Uh, but that aside, they use uh, specific news sites that are very niche specific, not more than a handful ultimately. A handful has the biggest chunk of traffic as it is normal with missing business. Social media groups, different ones are that, but essentially social media groups, LinkedIn groups, Reddit works for us, even the traditional forums, as you might expect, especially for uh, crewing and a couple of other subcategories that are still on the site. Is uh, Google search part of the journey? And uh, do these folks use like traditional review sites like G2, Captera, and so on as part of the journey? Um, I think they do. We actually have evidence to support that, but we haven't done the best of work into finding that and syncing uh, between the two. Um, marine traffic is primarily known as a vessel tracking map operating. So, and these people are more in the charge of that we previously described as other supply chain professional lawyers alone. But when the, when the, we're currently changing that. We're submitting ourselves, reacquainting everyone with the brand in these categories. I don't think we really use it, but uh, as they are very traditional, but you want that in the sense that you want to be in the correct market. That makes sense. Um, I would like to shift gears a bit and uh, discuss content and content strategy specifically. Now, one of the things you do as part of your demand generation strategy is content, right? Um, and I would like to ask what are the main pillars or how you approach uh, your content strategy at uh, Marine Traffic uh, and Caper? Well, it's, uh, I would say, tailored to the specific brand, uh, obviously influenced by the very useful resources that you and I are both acquainted with. The uniqueness of the situation is that how this high site has, and will always have, because it was their first, a lot of free traffic that pertains to the vessels and ports of the world. So this will always be there. As having said that, it's, you can make a free account at, at this moment, and you will be funded, for lack of a better word, to a paid option through the product use. So it's product-led SEO, I think, ultimately tailored a bit to reflect the uniqueness of the maritime industry. What we essentially do is we divide things depending on the vertical. So I did mention that this in branding, 
uh, the vertical and um, also the curation that is heavily introduced in both. So the same content is essentially broken down into pieces. So in any vert can be used as a blog spot, or at least it's transcript can, uh, snippets of it can go to social. And the client in question can then become the subject of a case study, which is a typical uh, content curation checklist. And also I would say, might be self-explanatory, but uh, obviously it is content for the rest of the funnel as well. So a webinar can be used, uh, as I mentioned, multi-purposely and ultimately through some sort of needs point system that I'm sure most of us still use, if they haven't switched to an ABM platform already, which we're also examining. Uh, combination with lead scoring to see which leads can be further down the pipeline so that organic also helps uh, in acquiring these people. So this content strategy helps our sales strategy. This is the content that we use that is used even directly in the sales calls further on uh, if it's appropriate. So personalized content for both the chunks, for both personas and content throughout the funnel to assist in lead scoring and lead generation. Isn't it difficult to find uh, people who can like talk about maritime analytics or you know vessel tracking, container container tracking, and all these things and topics that you have to cover as part of your content strategy. I mean, as I understand it, there there has to be some sort of like knowledge and ex like expertise around the topics the the writer is going to write about, and at the same time being. I don't know, up to date so that the piece doesn't like sound, uh, doesn't read boring, right? And it's uh, engaging for the reader. Well, definitely. Uh, it is challenging indeed. Well, but we have, I think, a simple process at the end of the day. As far as SEO is concerned, uh, it's a variation of AHF instance responsibility matrix. So you essentially have with that someone who can assist you with the research of any given topic, someone who is knowledgeable about the subject who isn't the same person who does the research, how, how could he be? Someone who can write about this subject and someone who will finally edit uh, the final product. And this works for us in the sense that we have a lot of knowledge of people in the company. I hope I'm doing their work justice, uh, as you can understand, because it's not a singular effort. So they're the ones who will extract the data points that are, for example, relevant for a topic. They're the ones who make sure that we have a high degree of confidence in this uh, data set. And they will be the ones who will explain it to the layman. And the, the layman being uh, the final reader, even though they might be a maritime professional themselves. So we want to push something out there that we know is true. And the writer has uh, essentially the writer in this particular scenario is bypassed. And the only thing you have to then do is end it according to your brand guidelines, which is something again that our in-house team is very good at. So because we have the in-house team. Because we have the data, the writers and the editors, you know, we follow a simple linear process, slightly variated uh, when uh, compared to HF instance, as I previously mentioned, and uh, we can essentially be sure that what we're posting is correct. Okay, that makes sense. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier, uh, regarding, like when I asked about where can you find your target audience these two segments online you mentioned like the fact that there are some media outlets and like news 
uh, websites uh, where I guess most or many of these people um, spend time online reading news. One thing that's interesting about your industry is the fact that often, and unfortunately not for a good reason, there are certain news that um, break or vessels that went missing, accidents, and so on. My question is, how do you handle these incidents considering that you bear the responsibility of data accuracy and factual information and that you know many of these news websites may rely on marine traffic and cabler data to you know write a piece of content about something that happened somewhere in the world um, that is indeed the case um, the analogy that i like to use here is that of the weather report so imagine if you have the weather report that gives you a forecast and then you take appropriate actions according to the data but obviously this data is shared everywhere and everyone can do what they think is most relevant. So in a way, we don't handle the accidents ourselves. If you notice, even though we have a great coverage pertaining to the accidents, we don't actually cover them. We don't quote on them. There is no marine traffic or Kepler spokesperson. I don't think there ever will be who will comment on any particular incident. Uh, but what we can do is provide accurate data, which in the context of the accident, and it become uh, YMYL pages, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, in Google's eyes. And even though they use some of the rankings when this is newsworthy, they maintain the high rankings there as a, as something you can trust data-wise. There is no storytelling behind those pages. They, uh, they insert via JavaScript the most latest data with a high degree of confidence. So there is no story there or anything of the sort when it pertains to an incident. It's just the right information that happens to mirror the situation. So, for example, if something happens when someone in the boat has an accident, you could see the help sinking together to go help the boat or something like that. So, it is just like the analogy of the weather report. We give out the weather report and everyone can use it as we see fit. We don't actually, uh, we don't advertise Obviously, in such instances, we're going to use it in our uh, narrative. Uh, we're just happy to support and help when there's trouble, I guess. You need the jet, sorry. That makes sense. However, uh, I wanted to, to ask about cases where people um, use marine traffic data, right? Um, and I guess that happens quite a lot. Um, how, how do you ensure that in these cases, um, and it may be a media publication or a news site or whatever uh, that used um, and referenced marine traffic's data, how do you ensure that all these publications and websites reference marine traffic in the right way? I mean, are there cases where you have to reach out and say that, uh, guys, here you like you use our data, but you haven't like inserted the link back to our website to that relevant page or whatever? Uh, or is it just, you know, it's it happens so much at such a scale that you can't control it and do something about it? Uh, that's indeed true. It does happen at a true scale. Now we go beyond the NIST sites, beyond the maritime industry specific sites. And um, we have been featured across the boards. There is a dedicated team for it in house, which is doing a spectacular job. 
They break bread with CNN, Fox News, New York Times, every publication under the sun. Our backing, we have 700 million backlinks um, for the last quarter, uh, the last time I checked it. So this definitely happens a lot. This is also part of the model because we we allow a lot of this information for free. You can have uh, an account and, and check it out. But uh, as it happens, when it comes to uh, leveraging news, this we can influence to a degree. Uh, so being of the dedicated team, uh, we have uh, guidelines from an initial perspective, you know, including the nuances that uh, you'd want covered, such as the anchor text or perhaps a UTM to track some traffic. This can become the basis of a conversation later on also, as we tend to collaborate with a couple of news outlets, depending on how they use their data and if we like the way they report things. Uh, obviously, we're not in to sensationalizing things. So again, you will find no quotations or nothing of the sort indicating when traffic having to do with this, uh, but we do make sure that we give them the same uh, data that we would issue with an original article. So our data team makes sure that we have a very high degree of confidence in this data set. And what it says is uh, factual. And from there on out, it's the publications is uh, data to use as they see fit. Okay, that makes sense. Um, in the same topic, I want to discuss something that I, you know, I would like to to hear your thoughts and get more information on, uh, which is the fact that mm, many websites can integrate or embed your vessel map into their own website. Um, first of all, is that right? Uh, is that correct? And if so, can you talk about that a bit? Such is the case for us. Yes, indeed. Now, in it's a win-win situation. We've done it since day one. We essentially allow limited access to users using uh, the map in, in an embedded form via another site. Uh, it's very popular with uh, travel blogs, with maritime blogs, with uh, local news sites, everyone really. Uh, the, it's essentially a win-win situation. We get uh, more visibility, we become the trusted source thusly, and they get to have access uh, to data that is most relevant to them, really. So for example, you can imagine the, a lot of Pireus local ports or blogs, for example, they just use the Pireus view. They view Pireus via marine traffic in an embedded map. It's a win-win. They cover locally in the page when we get the trust signals back. As an example, let's see. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, by any standard, marine traffic's website is huge in terms of traffic, right? Um, at least according to Ahrefs. How do you separate the signal from the noise um, for such a big, big website um, and really focus on getting and maintaining visibility for the terms that matter and can have a, you know, a business impact? Well, that was indeed uh, interesting. Something we always try to find, you know, obviously, as I did mention, there's a lot of premium traffic on the site. We have millions, dozens of millions of visitors, only a percent of whom are to become our final customers. Uh, only even fewer of them are our ideal customer. So we want to grow exponentially. So this is something we always work on. I would say a very important distinction is whether or not the user is a professional user of the platform or not. Obviously, if he isn't, uh, there's no need to bombard him with email sequences. There's no need to have him in any marketing list or everything of the sort. He can be 
excluded from all of this. He can keep enjoying the program. That's uh, how essentially it was built, so that's fine. And uh, secondly, again, with the, user, with, with the data that uh, the user would give us to what vertical he belongs, we covered the two main chunks, the different experience that one gets. Obviously, this is generated from the user. So if we know that you are a supply chain professional, we can obviously give you a better experience. We can point you to the proper direction on the site. We can onboard you. And this ultimately helps you also. And uh, ultimately, lead scoring, I say, combines the two in a nice way. Uh, you want the people who are qualified enough to talk with your representatives to be able to do so. You want to create a pipeline for those people. You want to find human this uh, in synergy with what we've previously discussed, all the ways that we generate all the streaming traffic. You want all of this to work harmoniously, if it's possible. So those are things are the one, uh, I think, are the most important things. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It's scoring. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't know if scoring is, is kind of... It's one of these things that you get to hear very often, but it's one of these things that I wonder, uh, like many companies refer to it, but is it really easy to, to do it right? Because especially we're talking about like really high volumes, how can you be sure that like this is the right person for to like to pass on to, uh, to my uh, sales team and so on? I don't know if you have any insights on that, but I'm, I'm just wondering, and it's one of these nuance, nuances that uh, I, I always wonder, like, is anyone doing like doing this really well uh, and have really nailed it? I don't know. I, don't know. I think everyone changes it according to the goals. Uh, I don't think it's something set in stone. I think it takes a, a lot of cross-functional effort to nail it. And I think that a lot of people are switching to EBM if they have already, which is something we're also um, exploring. And a combination of the two, plus any other channel or tactic that may come up on that end, is what's needed. As is the feedback of the salespeople, who ultimately, who ultimately you want to help. And this is out of your area, so obviously their input is very, very important. Yeah, obviously you get feedback from them and adjust your, your like, demand gen activities accordingly, right? Um, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, they will tell you whether the leads uh, that come their way are high quality or not. Um, or not, exactly, exactly. And this might hinder your goals, especially if you have the marginalization capacity, you know, you want to prove that you can own the pipeline, but the pipeline that doesn't convert doesn't make any sense. In, in a freemium site with millions of users, this, these nuances uh, come, become the problems that you always find here, essentially. You know, I think this will never stop. IP, I forgot to mention that IP identification tools are also useful um, in this. Yes, that's that's right. Um, I mean, we are using it as well. We are using one as well, and we, we, we tried a couple of ones before that. Um, but of course, our case is different because we are talking about lower volumes, right? Uh, you just need a handful to identify a handful of companies every week. And then, like, find a way to connect with these companies and and so on. Keep outreaching to them, yeah. Yeah. Um, on something completely different now. What are your thoughts on uh, AI? And have you found any, like, 
use cases um, for your workflows and like the, the tasks you you're working on at mining traffic and capable mm, so it's a narrative AI you mean yes yes more broadly yes we can we can you know uh we can talk about <laughs> as well but let's start with uh generative ai that's right i will have a lot to say about this as i'm not uh, i haven't i haven't checked it out yet i must admit i'm late to this party but uh, given the fact that it's only available in the us and uh, there's a traffic from the us so team interests me but i still i'm not still up to date on this but overall and as far as OpenAI's suite of tools is concerned, I actually am very impressed. I'm happy. This has boosted my productivity. So as a marketer, I love it. I use it in briefings. I use it in ideation. Uh, I use it um, for budgeting. Uh, it has been helpful across the world. Overall, I'm a bit worried. Like I try to, like I see the, I see. As you can see the occasional story that makes you think that this is a dystopia, but at the high level, I think this has been very, very, very helpful across the board, even even beyond the generative AI. So I'm a bit unsure. I certainly, I certainly want it to be more regulated, and I think, uh, but I am interested in the capabilities. Okay, that makes sense. Um, one question I ask very often when we are you know, nearing the end of, of an episode is the future, right? And, and, and how things may look like in the future, because people, I guess we want to very often talk about the future and think about it. So I will ask you the same question and I will ask you, what do you think the future holds for niche SaaS companies uh, like Marine Traffic that have a very, that have great tech behind them, obviously, and have a very specific, you know, target audience. Um, yeah, what what do you think the future uh, like looks like for uh, these companies when it comes to demand generation? I would say remote first, international setting. The only constraint now would be the time zone, surely for all these companies at this point, is which is good also for the talent pool. And first data driven by first party data, so exporting these things from everywhere, creating a data lake, something in house, and having ownership of their data, blocking the virus AI agents that will come up, you know, having ownership of their data first and foremost. But having said that, uh, do, uh, developing house uses for AI, so as I mentioned, operations-wise, ideation-wise, planning, reporting, budgeting, I see it being a lot more readily available. There will probably be viral tools that we now use for email or not, not that will pertain to that. Already they can read PDFs, find the statistical anomalies in Salesforce, from Salesforce. All these goodies would become, I think, more common knowledge as we go from early adopter to uh, general population. I think that's a given, that's not sort of prophecy. And uh, since I see budget budgets tightening and whatnot, I would also say gaining a bit more visibility from other departments. Uh, I can see it now. Capital has been acquiring a tremendous rate, companies across the board. And while they have been data-driven, sales-driven, product-net-driven, uh, they don't really have the demand generation capabilities that we have. So I think 
non-specific uh, boundaries and getting bigger, cutting things off, for example, from others to incorporate to them. There's possibilities wise, at least. Okay, that, that, that's interesting. Um... I think the role is growing. Like I've been watching the role also, just uh, for uh, for trends, as I say, to establish a baseline. I can see more jobs that pertain to demand generation that have that are better refined than they were five years ago. People understand, I think, much better what it exactly means at this point. Hopefully, because right now there is some turbulence, uh, especially in the content um, and SEO, especially in the SEO world. Uh, but content marketing also is uh, under a, a crisis right now, identity crisis, because I think that content marketing can come out of this stronger, um, but the game has to be redefined for that to happen. SEO, I don't know, I can't really speak about SEO because, you know, we, we'll see. We'll just have to wait and see how big, you know, the impact <laughs> will be. It may not yes. be, which at the end of the day, you know, like changes have happened in the past. They Yes, there is impact, but at the same time, you know, there are more people who use like the internet and, and search. And and so I don't know, I, I can't speak about that, but um, I want to believe that we will come out stronger out of all this and that there will be um, both in-house jobs and like agencies that serve uh, the SaaS industry uh, moving forward. Oh, I agree. Certainly, I agree. I, yeah, yeah. I share your optimism also. Yes, well, I don't know. <laughs> no, we, I, I guess I have to be optimist, right? Um, but I hope so. I hope it doesn't change a lot. Like, uh, but again, we've seen you've seen the position that we are now. You see some. Uh, all the black hat gurus talking about text injection and stuff. So, and you say, ah, this works still or has, and you know, it's interesting. It refers back to an era. It, it would seem that has long, it has long past. Uh, it's good that we can always change things. Like I'm taking, the, I'm taking the generative AI intro. I don't think this would make me a better handler of FG, but if things are to change, we ought to be ready. And uh, from the various, uh, Quotes that I see from you know the very the, from the top voices at Google that's that's probably something wonderful. But I'm I'm sharing the optimism also. I don't see it changing in the immediate future. But if it's refined for the better, because the uh, collective people say so, and it's a better user experience, search experience, that's that's all we need for. So we'll be going through that. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, well, this was a very insightful conversation. Last question I have for you, Elias, would be. Um, where can people find out more and get in touch with you if they'd like to? Um, LinkedIn. Everyone can hit me up on LinkedIn. Just as long as you don't send me backlinks, folks. <laughs> and I can use to everyone. Everyone gets those. Uh, okay, so we we will drip, uh, we will drop your uh, LinkedIn uh, profile URL in the show notes. And it's, I would like to thank you very much for joining us and for finding the time to to do this. Thank you, George. Thank you. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Another episode of the SaaS SEO Show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. 
Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.